Good morning, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about Matthew 6, verse 16, all the way to chapter 7. We're going to be touching on a topic like fasting, um, laying up our treasures in heaven, as well as not being anxious. So, like normal, we're going to wait for people to join. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. really good to see all of you. <clears throat> Thank you for joining. Good morning, everybody. All right. Good morning. I hope all of you have your Bibles out. Um, turn over to Matthew 6, 16. We're going to get through 7. Also referencing some other stuff today. So get your, get your notebooks, get your pens. Um, let's do this thing, right? We're going to wait a little bit longer, but I'm excited. So, good morning, Lisa. Morning, everybody. Hey, if you guys are ready to receive this morning, not from me, but from the word of the Lord... From God, I want you to put a hands raised in emojis or something like that can signal me that you guys are actually ready. Because I'm excited. I'm excited. I really am. I think we could have finished up with fasting yesterday um, because that's the first portion. Um, but I didn't do that. So we're gonna get it, we're gonna get into laying up treasures in heaven and not being anxious. Serious question, do you Americans seriously not have Java cakes? Okay, first of all, Jenny, you saying you Americans implies that you're not one, which actually is very surprising to me. I just assumed I shouldn't have done that, I suppose. And I don't know what a Java cake is. It sounds good. Ah, yeah, this is what I like to see. Good morning, Aaron. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. Brilliant. All right. Listen up, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, faith. And right, so when Jesus, on all these things, he's, he's talking to your heart, right? He wants you to have expectations not only for yourself, but for other people, right? So, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get going here. I'm going to start with a word of prayer. And I wanted to clarify what I just said. It's, it's not just for yourself, it's for, for God. And in, in line with that, as Christians, we can hold one another accountable. But let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Jesus. God, I thank you so much that we have this opportunity to join together this morning and focus on your word. Period. God, I thank you that you give us the ability to dive deeper in relationship with you. And I pray that we never take that for granted. God, I pray that we don't just go by our feelings and emotions, but we go by your word. Let that be the pillar because that is what is the same yesterday, today, and forever because you are that word. This is your heart and your heart for us. God, open our hearts to receive in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. You ready? Why are there so many kissing emojis? It's <laughs> amazing. Okay. It's good to see you guys too. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> All right, so 16, 
Fasting. Like I said, Matthew 6, 16. Let's get that. Actually, I'm going to add that here real quick. There you go. I pinned it. All right. This is awesome. All right, let's go. So, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. So let's, let's get a little catch up here. If you weren't here yesterday, we talked about giving to the needy and the Lord's prayer that hit on things like self-righteousness and um, different, different things like that. But the message trying to get across wasn't so much that people were, were, the things they were doing was wrong. It was the intentions of their heart, right? So preaching out loud in public, if you're doing that so people think you're great, it's wrong. Praying out loud in front of people, if you're doing that so people can glorify you, it's wrong. All right, y'all cut up. Amen, Taylor. <clears throat> so we're going to get fasting, right? And when you fast, this is saying not if, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples and the people there. It, it, was, it was custom to at least fast once a year during that time. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't a question if, like it is nowadays, because so many of us don't do that, even though that was one of the main methods of connection with the Lord and is still today. I could give you a whole testimony about when I come before the Lord in fasting and in prayer, he has answered over and over and over and over again. Matter of fact, it's on my heart to share with you right now. So I'm not sharing this to boast. I'm sharing this to be an example of the reality and the authenticity of the word of God which calls us to fast and pray. So when you fast, you, you decline, you, you say no to your earthly desires on a level that normally uh, we can't reach. Why? Because we're saying no to food and that's nourishment for our bodies, right? So um, <clears throat> what that means is when, when, when I was fasting, I used to have a very um, offendable heart, right? So some, something about me is that I, I care very much for people and what they think about me. I want them to know my intentions. I want them to love me. I want them to know that I'm a cool guy. And, uh, well, because I think I am, but you know, that's just me. And so whenever somebody wouldn't understand what I was doing, I would, I would feel like insulted. I would be like, I, I would feel butthurt. I, you know, I would do all these things and I'd be like, how can you not understand what I'm trying to tell you? You know, how can you not understand my intention here? Um, and and something I came before the Lord with and I was like, God, this is my, this is affecting my ability to serve you because I'll go so confidently in what you're calling me to do. But then somebody will say something and I'll be like, oh, God, I, I don't know if I'm doing what you're calling me to do. And, and simply he, he just put it before me. He's like, well, then, you know, I say that ask and you shall receive knock and the door will be answered unto you in accordance with my will and obedience with my law. And I was like, Okay, so what you're saying is I can actually come before you and you could change an entire personality trait from me. And he was like, why not? And so I, I, I fasted and I prayed and I was like, God, I don't want to have a heart that is so receptive. I want to have thick skin. Uh, somebody I really value said this to me once and it stuck with me always. I want to have thick skin, but a soft heart. So thick skin for what anybody else says, but a soft heart to be receptive to what the Holy Spirit says and what God says. And I, I fasted and I prayed and I, I believed in Jesus' name that he would give me that. And since that time, once I was finished, my whole heart has changed and it, it legitimately is different now. 
Why? Because I've based my value not on my feelings and emotions, but the Lord helped me with that revelation that I need to be grounded in his word. If it was the Holy Spirit convicting you to change your actions, if it was the Holy Spirit convicting you of actions you were doing or anything like that, you would know, right? If you're pressing in. Or if it's the closest people to you that know your heart, know your intentions that are equal, the Lord comes before you when he teaches you through instruction, not destruction. Right? We've talked about that before. So fasting is real and I encourage you guys to do it. If you want to draw, the Lord will reveal either characteristics or traits or things that he doesn't want you to have when you're fasting. Or he will, you can come before him saying, God, I give you the glory. And I want to give this to you. Please help me be more obedient, be more capable of following your law. And he's faithful, right? So let's keep going. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others, right? So he's not saying fasting is a bad thing. He's saying if your heart isn't right behind it, it's no good. Why? Because I know your heart. I know your intentions, and, and the hypocrites, remember, these were oftentimes like actors, people on stage, people that would put on different faces. They're talking about the same people that would go into the synagogues and pray out loud and make other people feel bad about themselves, even though, you know, um, that's not what it calls to do, right? So he's saying, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. He's talking about the intentions of your heart. If you're fasting so that other people can see how holy you are, that's wrong. But if you're fasting, just between you and God, just like when I was talking about the secret place in prayer, right? That, that's a different intention in your heart, and, and God knows that. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. There's the problem there. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. That's so interesting, right? So God, God is a God of grace and mercy as well. And all these things, those who are preaching in the synagogues and and boasting about all the things they can give, those who are praying out loud and boasting in their prayer, he said that they have received their reward. So they still got a reward, but it's different, right? Because it's talking in past tense that they have received. And the promise is, is if you don't do this, you will continue to receive, right? Beautiful. Okay, 17. But when, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So this ends the same way as it did with the Lord's prayer, right? Um, or in the giving to the needy. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What does that mean? Can you not do these things in public? No, that's not what it's saying. It's talking about the intention of the heart. If you're doing these in public so that people will recognize you, that's wrong. In the same way, that's fasting. God knows who is in secret. What's in secret? Who can understand a man's thought except for that man? In the same way, who can understand God's thoughts except for God? But through the Holy Spirit, we have been given the authority, the ability, the power, because of what Christ has done, to understand the thoughts of God. So, <clears throat> yeah, I just want to emphasize there that fasting is something that we are called to do, right? Now, fasting is not just stop eating, Stop drinking, stop doing everything uh, for other reasons than spiritual, right? I used to struggle with that. I used to want to fast and it would be like a dual, <laughs> deuces, uh, a dual, a dual meaning where I would, I would fast because I wanted to grow closer to the Lord, but I'd also fast because, you know, I could control my diet better. That's not what he's calling you to do. That's really dangerous. I think I got a question. 
If I'm trying to fast and my parents get mad and try to make me eat, what should I do? Well, communicate with them. Obviously, if that's your intention, they can help you do that well. And there's different types of fasting, right? Um, but definitely communicate with them because I think they, once they know your intention is to grow closer to the Lord, they're going to want to help you to do that. Now, that's not the same in every situation, but I hope that answers your question. All right, <clears throat> so let's keep going. So that was fasting. That could have probably fit better in the live yesterday, but let's keep going. So now we're going to talk about laying up treasures in heaven. Matthew six nineteen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Full stop. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in context with what Jesus is saying here, what is, what is he trying to convey? The entire time he's putting emphasis, he's putting emphasis on where your heart is. Right? So it's not that it's not that I do all these things for any other person's like knowledge or or desire because it's tempting to uphold yourself, right? It's tempting to be to have this image that everybody sees like you're 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 righteous, you're holier than thou uh, and different things like that. Right? So if you're preaching and you're like God calls us to repentance, but you're not being repentant towards God or even the people around you that are supposed to hold you accountable, God's like, why are you storing up treasures here on earth? Why are you so concerned with what other people think about you? What are you so, I know your heart. The most important thing is that I know your heart now and I'm, not gonna, I'm, no, I'm gonna know your heart later. So why are you trying to convince other people that you are different than what you really are? Jesus goes, and so there's, there's, the, there's the thing. He's like, I already know your heart. I already know that you're broken. I already know that you're struggling. But with that being said, that's why I came. That's why Jesus came. He fulfilled the law. He set us free from sin. We're, we're dead to sin, alive in Christ. So he's saying, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Know whom you serve. I, we have so many people um, DM us, you know, about struggling with sin, addiction, temptation, all of those, um, all of those things, Right? So um, the, the thing I want to tell you right now is we even have, we have people that make fake accounts, you know, to, that are ashamed and they come before you. You know, I wanted to tell you about this, but I'm too ashamed to show my face. And I, I get it. We, we understand that, right? God understands that. But what does he say? You know, shame and guilt is from the enemy. Full stop. Why? Because the Holy Spirit breeds conviction. Conviction leads to transformation, but shame and guilt leads to being paralyzed and condemned. And that's from the enemy. The Lord will always instruct you, right? When he teaches you, he, he instructs you a way in life to change, to pursue. He says he will make your paths clear. He will give you a peace which transcends understanding. What does the enemy want to do? Well, first of all, he wants to confuse your path. And he wants you to seek understanding in order to find peace. But that's not what God says. He says, peace shall come before understanding. We're not understanding before peace, right? So <clears throat> when that sin, that addiction is in the darkness, right? It has power. Also talks about this. We defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. Part of our testimony, even incomplete, even in what we deem as bondage, the enemy has power in that darkness. So if you're harboring like a secret sin or anything like that, 
God calls it to be in the light. And that's not only saying it before God and coming before him, but it's coming before your, your closest people, your family, your church, people who can help you hold accountable. That's one of the reasons we have community. Because when it comes into the light, the darkness cannot overcome it. All right, so let's keep going. And I love this one because this one hits on so many things, right? So 622, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That's a promise. If your, if your eye is healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So what is this trying to convey? People always ask us about, you know, should we watch, should we watch rated R movies? Should we listen to, you know, bad music? Should we do this, that, and the other? What you consume is what you'll pour out. So if you're consuming the word of God, if you're watching people that build your faith, if you're watching movies that talk about God, if you're listening to music that puts your mind on God, then you're always going to be focusing and in taking things of the Lord. But if you're not, what does it say? In the same way, if we go up to a mirror and we look in the mirror and we see ourselves and what we see is, oh, you know, I'm, I'm ugly. I'm not, I'm not beautiful. I'm not created in the image of God. And what we see and we just fill it with our own thoughts, right? That's the easiest way for the enemy to work. He likes to take what we see and attack our feelings and emotions. Because if our feelings and emotions get all conflicted, we don't rely on the word of God, especially when we're not focused on it. So we need to understand that the eye is the lamp to the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If what you're taking in, right, your eyes, receptive, colors, details, all these things, if what you're taking in is full of life and light, you'll be filled with life and light. But if you're taking in darkness, and, and things that are conflicting, the enemy will jump and use that, right? So, <clears throat> no one can serve. Well, actually, first. So, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Ah, that's powerful. Sometimes we have to look in the mirror and really ask ourselves, am I saying who I am because of what I've experienced and what other people have said to me and the standards of this world? Or am I going through the filter of what God says about me? Am I going through the filter of what God's heart is for me? All right, hold on. So, well, let's finish this and I'll answer some questions. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. You know, I, like, I think of um, Talon's thing. Uh, I've heard him say it latest, so I'm just going to quote him about the, the atheist man who had, a, who had a dream. And he didn't really choose God, and he didn't really choose the enemy. And there was a fence in the middle, right? So he just sat up on the fence. And basically, long story short, the enemy was like, oh, you know, welcome to the side. And the guy's like, well, I didn't choose you. And I definitely didn't choose, I didn't choose God, and I definitely didn't choose you. And he goes, the fence belongs to me. You can't serve two masters. You're either pursuing or not. So, okay. Abigail, good morning. It's really good to see you. Hmm, I think it depends on the heart first and foremost. We can fast and see if we can fast Okay, you guys are still talking about fasting. Well, praise God. <laughs> awesome. All right. <clears throat> so, 
Now I want to talk about um, anxiousness, right? Do not be anxious. And I think this is very important because it gets onto a theme, a transitioning theme that is, in my mind, one of the most important things anyone could preach on, anybody could talk by, anybody could live by. And that's by faith, right? When your faith is built, you are more open to the ways of God and closed off to the ways of this world. When your faith is built, you are more willing to receive what God has for you than receive what the world has for you. And we're going to get into that. So, do not be anxious. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? That's beautiful, right? So, you know, it's, it's funny. We kind of joked about this yesterday, at least this theme, not this topic. Um, but like somebody came up to you and said, hey, you know, I'm dealing with anxiety and uh, nervousness and different things like that. And you were to respond, well, stop it. You know, that, that doesn't seem very helpful and probably not helpful given the situation. But what Jesus is saying here is, why are you so focused of the things in this world when the Lord already has provided everything you need? He promised that. In obedience with his word, when we pursue him in relationship and pursuit of righteousness, Deuteronomy 28, right? Obedience or blessings for obedience. He promises to provide. He promises to make you the head and never the tail, to only go up, up, and up. Now, what does that mean? That means that when we are abiding in him, he will provide. That's a promise. Anybody that says different, I, I challenge you to show me in scripture what that says. And it's, it's the reality. I will never let my experience trump what the word of God says in his promises. That's a huge, huge temptation to let our experience, well, I have not experienced healing. I have not experienced a word of knowledge. I have not experienced prosperity or anything like that. I have not experienced being able to defeat the enemy. Well, what does the word of God say? We're not supposed to walk in our own understanding. We're not supposed to walk in our experience. We're expected to abide in obedience with the will of the Lord. And the will of the Lord is found in his word. His heart and his heart for us. So if you're walking your faith walk based on your experience, not the word of God, I hope you are convicted and challenged right now. Because I was. Year and a half ago, my life transformed because I decided to walk in expectation. I was reborn into expectation of the Holy Spirit working in my life. And the moment I decided, God, I want more of you. And I'm going to obey you to the best of my ability. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. No, I am not perfect. But I chose, God, I am saying I'm going to live in expectation for you to work. I'm going to live in expectation for you to do amazing things. I'm going to live in expectation that you do miracles. Because that's what your word says. And that's what you promise. And so even though I've never experienced it before, I'm going to live in expectation of it. Because that is how you've worked then. And if you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I can have an expectation that I can rely on the promises that you are faithful and that you are the same and that you will work the same way today. 
And the moment I did that, the moment I was reborn into expectation of the Lord working in my life, no matter my experience, I saw it in the word. I spoke it. I said, God, this is what your word says. And then the experience came. So often we want to have the experience, then that will determine what we read and that will determine what we believe and what we speak. But what God says is that you will acknowledge him by faith. All these things happen. We're going to get into that in a little bit here by faith, right? So we see it. We know his promises. We speak it. God, you are the same. You are faithful. You are full of integrity. You say, this is not putting you to test. This is holding you accountable to your word, which he calls us to do. And then we experience. I don't, you know, my heart breaks for people that don't believe in that walk in unbelief, right? Hebrews 3. Israel, in the desert, three times a day, or all, all the time, they saw manna come from the sky. The Lord provided for them. And Hebrews 3 talks about, because if today you hear the voice of God, do not walk in, dis, un, in unbelief like those of the days of old. And it's in reference to Israel, who even though they saw miracles, manna falling from the sky, they were provided for 40 years in the desert, yet they still walked in unbelief because they chose to be blinded of the ways of God and they were not allowed into rest. That was the promised land. And I get so passionate about this because, because so often we allow ourselves to walk in unbelief based on our experience, not the word of God. In the same way, we allow our feelings and emotions be the judgment to how we perceive in our relationship with God rather than his word. If you don't believe in healing, if you don't have that expectation of the Lord to stay the same, then you're not going to experience it very often. You're not. He is faithful to give to those who ask, right? He is faithful to give to those who ask, and he is willing to give to those who are willing to receive. Knocking the door will be answered. What do you have to do? You have to knock. Jesus came to save all the world. What do you have to do? Have to step into the house. He opened the door and he calls you to step in. So if your expectation is that God does not work in the miraculous, God does not work in healing, God does not work in prophecy, God does not work in providing for me everything I need, then how on earth do you expect him to ever do those things for you? He is faithful. That not, has nothing to do with your salvation or anything. It has everything to do with your relationship with him and wanting him to move in your life. He says, walking in obedience, I will provide. Not only will I provide, but I will fill your storehouses in preparation for what you're going to do and what I'm going to call you to do because I am faithful. Now you're pinning God up against the integrity of his word. That's not putting him to the test in the wrong way. That's holding him accountable to what he says to you. So just because you have never experienced something that someone else has does not mean that you have the right to say it's not real because that is your experience. Therefore, that is how you read the word of God. Oh, man, all right. Praise the Lord. Amen. I know I got intense there, but, you know, I'm actually really fun and funny. So that was probably really cheesy. Anyway, let's keep going. All right. I don't even know where we were. Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah, so 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? Promise right there. Why are you anxious? When you are living in obedience to God within his will, which is found in Scripture, he says, I will provide. 
There is nothing. You, you, you don't even, man, just like the birds. Jesus is like, look up. He's talking to all these people. Look up and see the birds. And which of you, can, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And I love this. Verse 30. But if God, but if God, so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the... Uh, Oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, now we're going to get a whole bunch of people riled up here, right? How can you say, how can you say that I was not healed because I don't have enough faith? How, how can you say that I, that the word, that the Lord wasn't providing for me because I have not, I, I don't have enough faith. Now, I will never say to somebody those words when the time is insensitive. But I want, I want to read you a couple things here. Every time Jesus did a healing, almost every single time, right? Because <clears throat> there's different types of healings. So the faith of the centurion, I'm going to read you this. Lord, my servant is, um, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to them, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with, with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come to my, from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying, many will come before me, dining with me, in relationship with me, who are saved, who are in community. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now the story, Jesus heals a paralytic. And getting into boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you know the Son of God, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. This, this, this is the crazy part for me. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God and had given such, and had given such authority to men. Uh, I think I have a couple more here. So a, gir a girl restored to life and a woman healed, right? Okay, so. Um, and Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched, touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. That, that is her saying, I, I, it's not, I hope I'll be made well. Or if it's your will, I will be made well. No, if I just touch, 
If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Jesus heals two blind men. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread this fame throughout all that district. What am I trying to say here? When he said to you, oh, of little, oh, you of little faith, it was not saying that you are absent of faith. It's talking about, it's talking, implies a deficiency rather than the absence of faith. God calls us to live by faith. Save, often we hear this all the time, saved by grace. How? Through faith. So if you're feeling bad about yourself because you don't feel like you have a lot of faith, well, he is faithful to give to those who ask and are willing to receive. So ask for opportunities to grow your faith. But more than willing, not only do you ask, he's faithful to give, but you must be willing to receive. By faith, you have been made hell. See it, that all that, I have never met someone with such faith. By faith, by faith. Oh, you of little faith. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What is he saying here? He goes, one of my greatest, my, if not my greatest call, aside from actually receiving me as your Lord and Savior and surrendering your life, is to live by faith. Because in that, I work. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What does it say here first, right? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of righteousness. Oh, I love that. 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, guys, I, I, I want to encourage you here. And faith is a, is, a, is a conflicting topic. But the reality is, is that we're called to walk in faith by our faith through our faith, because that's what Jesus has given us, right? So my challenge for you today is to not rely on your experience to trump the word of God, but to let the word of God trump your experience. And as you read the promises, as you speak them, acknowledging, knowing, and believing that they are real, even if you haven't experienced them, that experience will follow because he is faithful and holds true to his word. All right. I'm going to take a sip of coffee now. Long one today. Hmm. All right. Should we pray? Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that we can be on this journey together. All of us. 
God, I thank you that it's not our differences in opinion or belief or interpretation, but it's the fact that we want to all pursue you, God, that holds us together, that in unity you are glorified. Jesus, I pray for these people watching this. God, I pray that a supernatural faith comes up out of them, that they live in expectation of what you are doing, God, I pray that the hearts of those that say not everything is is supernatural will be opened because every single thing is supernatural, God. Every single thing is not of this earth. Our war, our battle is not against the, the earthly places or earthly beings. It's against the principalities, against the devil, against the enemy, against this flesh, God. It's so much more than what meets our earthly eye. So God, I pray for supernatural eyes to see what you're doing. I pray for supernatural ears to hear you speaking, God. I pray for a supernatural heart that is receptive to what you're saying and to how you're working, to what you're doing and to what you're speaking. God, I pray for supernatural faith. And God, we we declare in your name that you are faithful to give to those who ask and who knock. That if you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, then just like Solomon, we came before you and asked for wisdom, that we can come before you and ask for the same thing, that we can come before you and ask for anything in accordance with your word and obedience to your will and receive, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I love it. God, you are good. In your name, amen. All right. Jenny, I go in rotations with the T. <laughs> All right, do you guys, this is a really long one, but I'm not, I'm feeling it right now. So let's, let's keep going. You guys have any questions? If you, if you've been touched today by some of these things, um, I, I really want you to share this. I, I really do because faith is so important. Faith is the like such a theme. It is the theme in scripture. By faith, you're healed. Through, saved by grace through faith. And if you are looking to grow in your faith today, know that when you come before the Lord in sincerity, that he is faithful and he will give you opportunities to grow. But it's up to you to step in line with him. It's up to you to receive that gift. We can ask, he's faithful to give, right? It's three parts. It's asking, he gives, now we must receive. To be willing to receive. I'll tell you right now, if you ask, he will give. If you ask, even if you're not willing to receive, if you ask, he will present an opportunity. Just as he does, whenever we face temptation, he'll present an opportunity to walk out of it, to go away, anything like that. He presents an opportunity. Why? Because he wants you closer to him. He says, when you draw near to me, I draw near to you. There's a reason it's not when he draws near to me, I draw near to him. Right? Because he's already made the first move. He's asking you to meet him. All right. Any other things? But yeah, if you've been touched today, I want you to share this. I really do. Because I think people need to really, really understand faith.
And I'm not saying that I get it. I'm not saying that anybody does, but I know that we're supposed to pursue it and that should be our expectation over our stuff, our, ourselves. So. All right. That's it. I love you all. I hope you have an amazing day. Claim his promises. Claim his promises, right? We read them, we speak them in belief and acknowledgement, and then we experience them. Don't seek it any other way. No. All right. Love you all. Have a great rest of your day.